I think it's like a lot about humility, recognizing that the people around you are contributing things that, that you can't contribute. Like when you're playing in an orchestra, you can't play all, all of the parts, right? You're just, for me, I'm, I'm just playing the second violin and, and I need the first violins and I need the cellos and, and I have to, I have to be listening to what they're producing in order to be able to do my part well. And if I'm just like barreling ahead at whatever tempo I want and with whatever style I want, then the, the outcome is compromised for everyone. This week, I had the pleasure of interviewing two founding members of the Utah Medical Orchestra, MS4 Analia Larson and MS3 Heather Smith. The MSO, as they call it, is a rapidly growing volunteer orchestra comprised of students, professionals, and staff in the healthcare community around Salt Lake City. And they hold large-scale performances each semester on campus, and they also perform as ensembles for patients. In this episode, I talk about Heather and Analia's journeys into music and medicine, what was transferable for them, and their passion to stay connected to the musical community. One transferable skill that I was particularly struck by is the concept of listening and yielding. Classical musicians are in a constant state of adjustment to the people around them as they perform. They're listening, and they're being humble enough to yield as needed. In medicine, we must also recognize that to do our individual parts well, we also need to listen, recognizing the contributions that are occurring around us and yielding as the expertise and strengths of others come up. From an identity formation perspective, I also connected with Heather and Analia's individual way of claiming and reclaiming their musical identities. I can appreciate on a very personal level the literal dusting off of an instrument and reawakening an important part of who you are. So often when we are handling the rigors of life, we can forget to claim those parts that bring us joy and replenish us for the long road ahead. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Okay, thanks everyone for tuning into the Real MD podcast this week. We are highlighting the Utah Medical Orchestra and two of our students who have been instrumental in starting and keeping that program going. Heather Smith, who's an MS3, and Analia Larson, who is an MS4. Thank you both for being here. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. So let's start first. I, I want to start with like the journey into music, and then we'll talk about your journey into medicine too. But Maybe we could just start there. So let's have um, uh, Analia, if you could start, like how, what led you to music and pursuing music? Um, that's a great question. I, I think there's like something that I have always been intrinsically intrigued by in music. Like I asked for a piano for my seventh birthday. It's <laughs> all I wanted and um, just started taking piano lessons around then and have um, picked up the violin along the way. And I think I just have always found it really um, cathartic to listen to music, to play music. And then um, it's an opportunity to challenge myself in a, a really compelling way to like grow into something um, to just like practice and see progress is really fulfilling. And it's a, it's always been a source of community for me, like in high school, um, all of my friends were in orchestra and, um, I have just always like 
gotten along well with people in orchestra. And as long as I'm in an orchestra, I know I have friends. So, um, yeah. Very helpful. Um, what would you say, would you say it became um, self-driven for you early on? Was it something you always wanted to do or was it something that was kind of handed to you early on and then you had to figure out why you like doing it? No, I, I guess in some ways it was handed to me. I definitely had opportunities early on that facilitated my interest, but I, um, I was always the kid who like wanted to practice rather than doing homework. Nice. Okay. Heather, your turn. Yeah. So I, um, grew up in a pretty musical family and I was sort of thrust into a piano and cello lessons from a young age. Um, it was very much like my mom, like was like, here, you're going to learn cello. And I ended up actually really loving it. Um, so much so that like I played all through, um, elementary, middle school, high school, and I actually ended up going to a music conservatory for my undergraduate training, um, got a degree in cello performance, um, and then worked as a professional, I guess, freelance cellist, teacher, performer um, for a number of years before med school. Um, and so playing music, um, especially as Annalia mentioned, like the community aspect of it, playing music with other people, like whether that's in chamber, um, like small small group ensembles or in large ensembles, like an orchestra, this has always been something that I've just enjoyed immensely. So, Yeah, I could appreciate the community aspect of it too, that it, of course it's individually working, learning, practicing, but then there's a huge connection, I think, with community that happens that's on a different level with musicians. It seems like that's on a different wavelength. So help me understand where you went from, you know, very actively focused on music to also having an interest in medicine. Um, and let's start, let's have Analia start. So what, how did that transition happen? Was that always part of the plan or... How did it unfold for you? Um, I'm really curious to hear Heather's story, though. I don't know if I know this, but um, I uh, I was really split between music and, and my interest in science in high school. And I remember my high school biology teacher um, told my parents during parent-teacher conferences that I needed to, like, stop doing so much music because it was going to, like, limit my, I don't know, ability to be a scientist or, like, what I needed to invest in my science classes if I wanted to be serious about doing something scientific and I didn't like that very much so um when I got to undergrad um I decided not to major in music I felt like I wanted to just keep it as a passion and um so I majored in neuroscience minored in music and I always thought that I was going to do something with like um like how the brain processes music. I was really intrigued by the cognitive aspect of, of how we process music and um, thought maybe I'd do a PhD in that or something. And then um, eventually realized that there aren't a lot of people studying that and there's not a lot of money in it and decided that I also really prefer doing, like finding ways to use science to help people like in real time, in real life, you know, the, the research, um, sometimes feels kind of far removed from from the effects on people's lives. And so um, that's kind of where I started to steer more towards medicine. Um, so I didn't actually know I was going to go to med school until after I had finished my undergrad. I still thought I might go to a PhD or something else, but yeah, ended up here. Was there a specific moment you remember where it said, I, I'm going to 
the PhD is not happening. I mean, obviously you made that choice, but was it a series of moments or was it like a parting of the clouds and a ray um, of light came down? Maybe a little bit of both. I, I had been thinking about it for a while, like through the last year of my undergrad, I kind of thought that maybe I should keep that door open. And so I finished up the, the prerequisite courses that I hadn't done yet. Um, during my, like I said, my fifth year, I think. Um, and then I actually graduated and had no idea what I was going to do next. Um, so I moved to Hong Kong and was studying dolphins, um, doing like cognitive research with dolphins. And I was like, if I'm going to like research, I have to like this. And I didn't really. So um, it was kind of over the course of my semester in Hong Kong that I started to to really um, put together some serious intention to come back and register for the MCAT and um, and start my application process. I love normalizing a nonlinear process because there is not a linear way of figuring out what you're doing. Um, so this experience in Hong Kong, sometimes you have this experience that says, well, that it really didn't want to do that. I cannot see myself in that long term. Um, are you glad you did Hong Kong? Was that like kind of a helpful thing? Do you feel do you feel like oh I wasted some time or how do you no. feel? No. <laughs> um, if anything, it's like identity capital, right? Anytime somebody's like, "Tell me a fun fact about yourself," you're like, "Well, I lived in Hong Kong and studied dolphins." <laughs> so that it's helpful that way. Yeah, I've never heard someone say identity capital. I like that a lot. <laughs> Some street cred. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about that, but it was it was fun too. It was a great experience. I love living there. Good. Okay, Heather, we need to hear your story now. I'm I'm intrigued as well. What? How? How did you go from cellist, freelance, professional teacher to uh, being in medical school? Yeah. So it was quite a little bit of a longer road for me, I think, than than most people in in med school, but. Um, yeah, it, that's a hard question to answer. So, um, it's funny because I actually had a little bit of a, the opposite experience of, to what Annalia had in high school, where I, at one point had a teacher tell me that, you know, I was doing too many, you know, non-music classes and my grades were too good. And that meant therefore I wasn't practicing enough. Um, and so I kind of had this experience where like, I just couldn't get away from like the more like intellectual challenges of science. I took a couple science classes during my degree, which um, was not required, but I just really enjoyed that um, part of using my brain. Um, and so I guess like once I graduated, um, I moved to Tennessee and I freelanced there um, and I actually really enjoyed my time. I, you know, loved playing music. Um, I think after a couple of years of it though, I just kind of had this feeling like it wasn't going to be like the most fulfilling thing that I wanted to do with the rest of my career. Um, there was a lot of driving around like, you know, within like a five hour radius to play gigs and never knowing, you know, what that would look like month to month. Um, and I kind of was just drawn back to this, my love for science and biology that I'd had since high school. Um, and I just, you know, kind of had this idea, like, I think I might, enjoy doing something medicine and both using you know more intellectual capacity and also like um using that to help people i think also is what drew me to medicine so i ended up um 
going to take some prerequisite classes at a local college um, for a couple of years um, and then applied to med school. So that's about it. Yeah, I, I love, even in both of your stories, there's this element of trying something out, thinking it was maybe going to play out in one way. And then there's this feeling of, wait, this isn't the way. And there's these external voices as well who are either telling you to start doing something or stop doing something and those competing voices. Did you feel at any point that um, you had to sort of silence the external voices to figure this out? That's an interesting question. I think I I got to a point where I had to like actively pursue the right external voices. Mm -hmm. um, and I, for me, that looked like um, just like talking to everybody that I could who was a, a doctor and um, who like shared some other components of my identity um, who had gone into medicine. And that was really helpful for me to have all of a sudden have people around me instead of saying, you should be doing this or you should be doing that um, to just like surround myself with people who had pursued something that I was interested in and, and could really tell me about it and um, were encouraging. And um, so I think it, it was less about silencing and like tuning into myself and more about just like tuning into the right, um, the right people who had the perspective that I needed. Yeah, that makes sense. Almost being like a curator. I, I need to learn more about this. What do you think, Heather? Any anything to add to that? Did you feel as you were sort of coming out of being a musician a little bit, like directly gigging all the time to to accessing that science piece? Did you feel like you had to navigate voices differently? Yeah, definitely. I think there there were a lot of um, you know various family members that I had who you know felt very strongly one way or the other, um, and so a lot of it was just trying to figure out what do I want. And what do I want my life to look like? And not, you know, what do I, what does my mom think my life should look like, for instance? Um, and and like Leah said, also a lot of a lot of um, exploring other voices and talking to people who were doing it, and talk to people who weren't doing it, and asking why um, was really helpful. What do you feel, Heather, is transferable from your pursuit of music like full-time to you being a medical student? Do you feel like there's things that it, you bring with you and what are those things? Yeah, so many things, Tom. I think there, I could go on for a while about the number of things I think that are transferable. I think number one um, is just, I guess, like the dedication that you have to have. Um, as a musician, um, you have to be very dedicated to practicing um, and, you know, just hours and hours alone, even on days when you don't feel like it, even on holidays, even on vacations, um, you always have to have this drive to practice. And I think that's something that's been really useful in medicine is just being able to have that discipline, I think, and that training um, has been really useful. Another thing is like, just, I guess, teamwork, I think is a big thing as a musician, you know, you're always playing with other people, um, in a either small group setting or large group setting, or maybe just a one-on-one -on -one setting. And, um, those skills of learning how to communicate, learning how to give and receive constructive feedback, um, I think is also something that's really applicable to medicine as well. Yeah. Thank you. Do you want to add anything? Aaliyah? Oh, yeah. Um, 
the first thing that came to mind was listening. And I think it's kind of like what Heather was saying about communication. Um, I like when you're playing in an orchestra, you have to be willing to, um, well, so you're like using all of your personal expertise and all of your personal preparation, um, and like producing something, but at the same time, you're listening to everyone around you and incorporating all of that information. Um, and then like kind of yielding to what the conductor says and, and what the people around you are doing and just like constantly adjusting and like making these micro adjustments so that you are really unified with the people that you're playing with. And I feel like, um, if we could make medical teams more like that, um, I think we'd all benefit. It seems like there's just a lot of, um, a lot to be learned about just like listening and yielding rather than competing or like, um, you know, compromising. Like if somebody's doing, um, like choosing to bow something one way and you're like, Oh, but I think it would sound better this way. Um, you just like, recognize that you're all in it and producing something together and there's um like you have to find a middle ground or or um like come together to make decisions for the benefit of the entire goal um which i think is is pretty transferable to medicine um and is is definitely a key component of um what it takes to be a musician especially in a group a lot of times when medical students start medical school it becomes uh, like an either or thing like i in order to do this i have to let go of that or i I'm, I'm going to let this thing i used to do stop for a while sometimes it's exercise sometimes it's a hobby sometimes it's a complete professional life that existed independent of medicine and altogether um when you started medical school did you feel that pressure to let go of music did that exist? I'm just curious. I, it might be different for me than it was for Heather, because I was definitely um, am just like a, an amateur hobby musician. I mean, I, I like I've taught a little bit and played in college, but um, for the most part, I just like perform for like church stuff or, um, you know, it's pretty low key. And so I kind of viewed it as a as an outlet that I was able to just like sprinkle into my day to day kind of as I had been for a while. Um, and COVID facilitated that actually really well because I, the place I was living at the time, I had access to an awesome piano and I had my violin there. So I would just like go play the violin for 10 minutes between classes. Um, and so it was really nice to be able to use that as, as an outlet. Um, and so I actually feel like I have been doing more with music since med school and maybe it's because I needed it, like needed mm -hmm. the outlet more. Um, but I don't feel like maybe it's because I, I wasn't in a professional setting, but I didn't feel like I was being asked to give any of that up. I can appreciate the outlet certainly of, of um, you know, we talk about wellness and self-care and, and having a musical outlet. I can't think of a, another thing that could, that could help when things are crazy than having an instrument. Of course, I play music too, but it, I, I do think that there's something very special of being able to like connect with an instrument or or connect with something musical when you're stressed out. Um, what do you think, Heather? Yeah, I think it was a little bit different for me. I think just transitioning from having playing cello being my my career 
and the way that I made money and having that transition to be a hobby, I think was a little bit rough for me. There's a period of time at the beginning of med school where I did not touch my cello very much. And I think I was kind of mourning in a way, the loss of this skill that I had and, and how important that was to me. And so it, it's taken some time. And I think now, you know, and with the help of playing in the medical orchestra as well, um, that I'm able now to view it a little bit more as a hobby and an outlet um, than I did maybe the beginning of med school, where it was more like, this is work, this is my job. And being able to transition to that has taken a little bit of time. Um, but it's certainly been really wonderful to be able to pick it up every week and play in the orchestra. Yeah. I really appreciate you saying morning. You know, there is this element of, I think, transitioning to something new and and having to let go of something or even even adjust how you're you're viewing it. And I think in identity work too, there's almost an element of um allowing yourself to have these certain things. Like I'm a I'm a future physician, for example, but I'm also a musician and allowing yourself to claim those and and at what level do you want to claim them? And that's not at all something that anyone else can dictate, I think, to you. I think that's something that you ultimately get to decide. Um, and and that's a, a process for sure. So let's this is a good segue into the orchestra. How did it start and what was your involvement? And um who wants to kick that off? Who 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 has the the knowledge of, of how that the early days of the <laughs> I can go. Um, so it, it kind of like I was talking about during COVID, I was playing my violin more than I ever had. And um, I honestly, I don't remember exactly how the idea planted. Um, but I just remember thinking, um, like, how cool would it be to have a medical orchestra? And um, so I started like Googling <clears throat> medical orchestras and it turns out there's a bunch all over the country. Um, I, so I just like started thinking about it, started talking to people about it and just like got so excited and felt like the idea had a lot of intrinsic momentum. Um, and I was like, I think we should like really do this. Um, but that was at the beginning of 2020. So, um, I, uh, kind of just like shelved the idea for a little while. And then when, um, the incoming MS1 class came in the fall of 2020. I was on a Zoom call during transitions week with um, some students on a panel, and I was talking about this idea that I had for a medical orchestra. And one of the students contacted me after and said, hey, I'm really excited about this. Um, that was Steve Cho. He's an MD, PhD student. <clears throat> and so he kind of got on board, and so we just started having weekly meetings where at the very beginning we would just like talk like what what does this look like how do we make this happen um and we knew that it wasn't going to happen for a while because it was like the heart of covid um and then steve was like i know this great cellist in my class she'd probably be interested in in joining um so then we got in touch with heather and then um slowly have just been kind of building this team of of medical students across um at least the MS2, the current MS2 through MS4 class who were all interested in music. And I think everyone, I think everyone but me had like a pretty significant, um, like they had majored in music as an undergrad. And um, so the five of us, I think it was at that point, 
um, just continued to meet weekly and talk about it and um, figured out that we needed a conductor and we needed a place to rehearse and we needed to find some more people who wanted to play with us. And so um, over the course of that year, we assembled all of those pieces and then started rehearsals in the fall of 2021. Were you surprised at the, first of all, the the sort of like interest, the energy around it that kind of came up and then what has it been hard to sort of recruit people or do people, are people kind of coming out of the woodwork as you went on? Um, people are absolutely coming out of the woodwork. It's been remarkable to see how many people across the health sciences are musical and really miss that part of their identities. It seems like kind of, as you were saying, people do leave it behind, um, because medicine asks a lot of you and, um, and so giving people this opportunity, there has been so much enthusiasm. Um, it, in some ways, I feel like the idea is just like growing. In a lot of ways, I feel like it's outgrowing me and my leadership and um, just like what I'm able to offer, um, which is great. That's what should happen. Um, we did a survey last week because we're working on a, a proposal to become a sponsored student organization through the Department of Anesthesiology, actually. And um, as part of our application, we sent out the survey to find out what people's experience currently is with the orchestra and um the overwhelming enthusiasm was was really fun to read um i think heather shared that experience just going through the comments and feeling like people this has really made a difference for people and, and people want to see it continue and that's really gratifying since we put a lot of hours in <laughs> yeah heather talk about the the comments and just just that process of being involved in the orchestra from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, like Annalia said, it's been absolutely just stunning and mind-blowing to see the number of people who are interested in this um, and the number of people who've come out. I think we've had like maybe over a hundred for sure people who have at least been interested in it um, and probably around that many who've actually participated as well. Yeah, um, 251, I think. It's 250. a great tally for people who are interested, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I think at our last concert, we had maybe somewhere in the 50s or 60s actually perform in the concert. Um, so it's really been an amazing, like, um, yeah, outpouring of support and, and things like that. So the survey that we sent out, I mean, yeah, like Emily was talking about, we had some, like, really amazing responses. Um, like, overwhelming majority of people said that, you know, it improved their mental well-being to play in the orchestra and that they were able to meet so many new people through it that they would never have been able to meet or work with before. So that was cool, too. I mean, we've had like one of our members um, reported that like the last couple of years were like very difficult in their life. And playing music in the Utah Medical Orchestra was one of the things that like they they say it was like been life-saving for them. Um, there's been people who um, use it as an outlet for stress reduction, um, for grounding, helps with their mental health, um, and just like a renewed sense of purpose. And it's been really amazing to see all these responses from people who like, I did not know that we were going to end up um, like having this impact on people like this. Yeah, I, I remember meeting about it early on, too, because we were wondering, there were a lot of questions, I think, logistically about rehearsing, and I know we were coming out of pandemic, and there were questions there, but I just remember feeling so excited um, 
about the idea of students kind of gathering with the the broader community because it's not just students, right? There, there's physicians um, uh, and anyone who essentially is working in the health sciences. Is that is that the fence you sort of put around it? Yeah, yeah I've kind of um, like opened it up to the general healthcare community of of Utah and the greater Salt Lake City is kind of who we're aiming towards. So we have, um, we've got a whole variety of people. We've got medical students like Emily and myself, um, as well as residents, um, attending physicians, um, other healthcare providers like nurses, respiratory therapists, x-ray technicians, that kind of thing, um, as well as a lot of um, professionals from non-patient facing roles. So we have like administrative assistants, um, hospital IT, um, and various other um, other capacities as well. So we kind of, and, and researchers too. So we kind of left it open to kind of the broader interpretation of healthcare professionals. Yeah. And I think that's the spirit of even the two of you talking, that idea of community and and feeling that connection and not maybe limiting it, making sure that it's inclusive of uh, the people who are up here. Um, I was driving with my daughter the other day, she's eight, and she went to one of the early performances with me and we were talking about how much she loved, um, she loves the symphony. And she's like, oh yeah, I went to that symphony and I just loved it so much. And she um, she was just, I, I, we were talking about going to a Bravanel Hall and she just had put you all on par with uh with that and in, in her mind, she was just like, I loved hearing it and I loved being a part of it and hearing the different instruments. Um, it's just so cool, I think, to think about the impact of um, what we do beyond what we're asked to do. I think that there's something very special about that. When you bring yourself into um, a setting and you're pursuing your career, there's, there's what you need to do. There's what the system will ask you to do. And then they hand you a diploma at the end. And there's what you make of the experience. Um, I'm very struck by what you're making of the experience. I think um, there's certainly many reasons to not do this <laughs> in terms of the time and the effort that you have to put into it. Um, but isn't it so great to see something grow and and start to impact so many people. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was thinking today, because I'm about to graduate, and I was thinking, like, am I more proud of getting my MD or of starting the orchestra? It might be, like, even. Um, <laughs> just because of, like, the... It's been a labor of love and, and has taken a lot of initiative and maybe in a lot of ways required more growth from me personally than even just, like, going through the conveyor belt of medical school has. Um and I do think it has it has enhanced that experience too. So, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Is there something super memorable about, like, a, a performance or a piece, or um, in, in relation to getting this off the ground that that is really kind of maybe formative or special to either of you? Like a, a performance of the UMO. Yeah, like like it was there a certain piece of music or a, a performance that you did with. I know sometimes you break into like smaller ensembles and you're obviously trying to study and get this, these pieces ready for performance. Is there anything that sticks out as being like a really memorable experience with it? I have a couple. I don't know how to choose. Um, 
I think one of our first performances, we played Barber's Adagio for strings and there's this moment, I don't remember if it was like this, like climactic moment in the middle of the piece or if it was at the end, but um, I guess I should preface by saying we're not a professional orchestra, right? We have people who have like picked up their instruments for the first time in 20 years or um, who are just learning or like people who used to be professionals. And so the quality of music is not our point. Um, but there was a moment in that concert where it was like, I think you could just like feel the passion of the people who are playing even more than like the, the actual quality of, of the music that we were making at that point. It was like really transcendent. And I was talking to my dad after the concert and he was like, yeah, that moment I started to cry. Um, it was really beautiful and, and being able to um, like feel somewhat responsible for, for creating that was like, immensely satisfying for me um another one that came to mind was when um we had a a small quartet or quintet play for um the opening of the infinity chapel in the basin of the or like across the from the cafeteria in the hospital and um they had the ensemble play out in the atrium and i wasn't playing with the ensemble i was just kind of walking around um advertising in the orchestra mingling with people who were listening and um, that was the first time that we had done something in the hospital. Um, and it was so fun to see the patient's reaction to that. Um, I remember watching a mom with a, a little kid who was hooked up to an IV um, walk through the atrium and like stop and, and take a video on their phone. And, and this kid and this mom watched the group play for like 20 minutes. Um, and it was just really neat to watch everybody's excitement and, and feel like you had brightened their day just um, by providing a little music. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, Heather, have you had opportunity to teach? Do you feel like you're, you're able to help some musicians kind of get back into the, get back into performing, dusting off their instruments? Has that been a part of it or is there anything else memorable that you want to share? Um, yeah, no, not so much. I, I used to teach a lot before starting med school, but haven't done any teaching since starting, but yeah, it's been, it's been really fun to watch people like break out their instruments for the first time in a long time, for sure. I appreciate this idea of passion and, and, and having it be accessible. Like it isn't meant to, I, I think if you're trying to welcome people back into music, it, it can't possibly be like setting this really high bar you have to like sort of evolve and bring people back it's almost like you're reawakening um people a little bit i think that's really cool yeah exactly i think that's that's you know one of the things absolutely that made us want to start this is to help people like reconnect with their musical background get their instruments back out um and i think you know we've really been striving to create an environment that's like very welcoming supportive, non-judgmental, kind of a low stress environment uh, for people just to play just for the enjoyment of playing. And I think, um, you know, based on the survey responses, I think um, the majority of our members would agree that that's um, what the UMO is for them. So what do you hope for going forward? Because you, eventually you will graduate some sooner than others, right? What, what do you hope for with Utah Medical Orchestra? Um, I... I guess I hope for sustainability. I, I hope that it um, that it can keep going for 
decades. I mean, I think it's filling a need in our community um, that I expect will persist. And I, I think it will be able to continue to fill that need. And I think it will probably need to evolve. Um, I think it will need to grow. There might be an opportunity to split into multiple ensembles or um, to create a wind ensemble at one point because last semester we had like 11 flutes. Um, <laughs> and so I think I think there are absolutely opportunities to um, to continue to grow in order to be able to involve more people. Um, that will require continued funding and um, and we're working on that right now. Um, we've gotten a lot of a lot of help from um, professionals who have donated their time and and we're hoping to um, get to a place like as an organization and financially where um, we can compensate the people who we need to compensate and um, you know be able to have the resources to continue to um, keep this endeavor going and um, kind of indefinitely so that's the dream. Well, it sounds like you're well on your way in terms of in terms of that. And uh, what a great thing to start something and have it keep going um, forward, even after you um, transition to your residency, you know, that's part of that. Um, what would you say to a student who feels like they have to leave um, not just music, but anything behind to be a medical student? Do you have any advice or words of encouragement about about not letting things go or I just wonder if there's something to say. I think there's something very special to be learned by the two of you and, and others bringing this forward. Yeah, I think um, I, I agree. There is sort of this pressure to like, you know, as a medical student, you have to drop everything else and you cannot be a human. You have to be studying 24 seven. And I absolutely don't, don't think that's true. Um, I think that if you, you know, if you love something and you want it to still be part of your life, you can, but you have to, be really intentional about setting aside time for it because otherwise you will end up studying 24 seven and you will be burnt out. And so I think it's the kind of thing where if something is important to you, you just have to find a way to make time. And that is definitely possible. And, and then the follow-up, how do you make time for it? Like, how have you been able to do that? I mean, you're both in doing rotations and I, I know uh, Heather, you're in your third year. Like how, how does that work? Well, it's tough and it's definitely not easy. Um, I think, you know, it's just as far as like setting aside those times on Tuesday nights for rehearsals, like that's just in my calendar every week and I know it's coming and I make sure that I'm free um, and I just, you know, make it a party to go to that. And, you know, sometimes if I'm like, oh, I'm going to practice this weekend and then I don't set aside time for it, it just won't happen. So sometimes I just have to schedule a time in my calendar where I'm going to pick up my cello and play. Um or set aside time to go to rehearsals and just make that a part of my routine. That's great. Um, Analia, you use the words listen and yield. Can you like describe that a little more? Like what is, what is listening and yielding mean as a musician? And, um, and you're saying it's kind of transferable too, but can you just unpack that a little bit? I just want to want to think about it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I've thought a lot about this because as I have been interviewing for residency, people ask me about the orchestra and, and um, this like listening theme is something that I like to talk about because um, I think it's like a lot about humility. Um, 
recognizing that the people around you are contributing things that that you can't contribute. Like when you're playing in an orchestra, you can't play all all of the parts, right? You're just for me, I'm I'm just playing the second violin and, and I need the first violins and I need the cellos and and I have to I have to be listening to to what they're producing in order to be able to do my part well. Um and if I'm just like barreling ahead at whatever tempo I want and with whatever style I want, then the the outcome is compromised for everyone. And I think that the the applicability of that in medicine is that um, we work on teams and everybody contributes something different. And if you are just barreling ahead thinking, you know, this is right, I'm going to do it this way and not recognizing that the other members of your team, especially from other disciplines or other professions um, have really meaningful things to contribute and, and that you can create a better outcome by all working together um, and by in some ways like yielding, you know, to if the physical therapist says, no, they're really not ready to discharge. You have to like you listen to that, right? You can't just um, say, I know what's best all the time and, and I have all the answers. Um, I think it's just this like kind of state of mind of like recognizing that everyone around you has something to offer and that you need each other and like being willing to to alter your course of action when you know something's not going exactly the way that you would make it go yeah this whole idea of interdependence and not having and leading that way which is um which is kind of you know the stereotypical thing is this sort of hierarchical top-down leadership and we certainly know medicine uh, historically has that occurring a lot. Um, but this idea of, I don't know, that that bringing your identity as a musician in to sort of shape the way you lead, I think that's really powerful. Um, and certainly doing it from an interdependent lens. Yeah, thank you for unpacking that a little bit. This has been so fun to talk to you both. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time. I know you're very busy, um, and I'm I'm seriously proud of the fact that this uh, it was really built in a very grassroots kind of ground up way. And I I'm confident it's going to keep going. I think there's a demand for it at this point, and I think that's just really special. And I think you should be proud of it. You know what a great thing to do while you're in medical school. It's been awesome. Yeah, it has. Thank you so much for having us on here, Thomas. Great chatting with you. This episode of the RealMD podcast is produced and edited by Tom Hurtado and Ali Day. Special thanks to Scott Singpeel, Scope Radio, and University of Utah Health. The RealMD podcast is part of the RealMD program at the Spencer Fox Eccles School of Medicine at the University of Utah, which helps medical students find meaning, community, and purpose during their training and future careers. Our theme song, Energizer Bunny, is by my son's band, Hurtado. You can find our podcast on major platforms. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.